Good morning and welcome to our online service this April 19th. Our call to worship this morning comes from John 20, 24 to 29, where Thomas said, Unless I see the mark of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. We are often skeptical people, driven by our senses, relying on that which we can hear, see, or prove. But God asks us to see the invisible, to trust in the Spirit, to have faith. Lord, give us faith. Sometimes we get carried away by our emotions, by wishful thinking, even by popular trends that pull us in. But Lord, help us to be bold in our beliefs, but also careful as Thomas was. Move us beyond mere trust in ordinary things and open our eyes for the spiritual realities. Jesus said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is Matthew six twenty-five to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, or what you wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I want to speak to you today about the virus that is currently and quickly changing the landscape of our world. It's been over a month now that we've been cooped up at home because of the stay-at-home order. There's more uncertainty than any of us have experienced in our entire lifetimes, probably. For many of us, this is the first time that we're facing such vulnerability and even considering our own mortality. 
While many of us have access to food and water, we go to the grocery store and find empty shelves. And we don't know how much longer it's going to be. And what's even scarier, we don't know what things will look like when it really is all over. The uncertainty is profound. For me, I am feeling that uncertainly deeply. We are at a time in our lives making changes and we simply can't proceed during this time. The uncertainty of the future is daunting and it's hard to plan forward. But while this time of uncertainty is new for all of us, it's not something that has not happened before in history. At this point in time, when everyone is worrying, our passage today becomes more relevant than ever. This passage can give us a lot of comfort, but only if understood properly. A lot of people read passages like this and other ones that and think it means that God is going to take care of us, make sure that we have everything we need. We don't need to worry as God will provide. And it's easy to see why. Some of the passage sounds almost exactly as though that's what it's saying. Specifically verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. People who read the passage this way thinking it's God promising all the basic necessities sometimes are also the same people that say God will protect them from the virus. They may continue to gather in churches and take unnecessary risks. We could point to the fact that many of those people still did get sick as evidence against this idea. But actually the best response I've heard to this question about God providing all needs, but God protecting people from the virus is actually a story, of a story of a drowning man. A terrible storm came into a town, and local officials sent out an emergency warning that the riverbanks would soon overflow and flood the nearby homes. They ordered everyone in the town to evacuate immediately. A faithful Christian man heard the warning and decided to stay, saying to himself, I will trust God, and if I am in danger, then God will send something to save me. The neighbors came by his house and said to him, We're leaving. We've got room in our car for you. Come with us. But the man declined. I have faith that God will save me. As the man stood on his porch, watching the water rise up the steps, a man in a canoe paddled by and called to him. Hurry, get in. The waters are rising quickly. But the man again said, No thanks. God will save me. The floodwaters rose higher, pouring water into his living room, and the man had to retreat to the second floor. A police boat came by and saw him at the window. We will come up and rescue you, they shouted. But the man refused, waving them off, saying, 
Use your time to save someone else. I have faith that God will save me. The floodwaters rose higher and higher, and the man had to climb up to his rooftop. A helicopter spotted him and dropped a rope ladder. A rescue officer came down the ladder and pleaded with the men, Grab my hand and I'll pull you up. But the man still refused, folding his arms tightly to his body. No thank you, God will save me. Shortly after, the house broke up and the floodwaters swept the man away and he drowned. When he got to heaven, the man stood before God and asked, I put all of my faith in you. Why didn't you come and save me? And God said, Son, I sent you a warning. I sent you a car. I sent you a canoe. I sent you a motorboat. And I sent you a helicopter. What more were you expecting? This story once again reminds us that God works through people first and foremost. Following the advice of public health by continuing to use physical distancing, washing our hands and staying home, are our ways of taking that motorboat and the helicopter, taking it seriously. Now let's take a closer look at the passage. And to do so, we're going to separate it into two parts. The first part of this passage helps us to consider whether worrying helps us. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, or reap, or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now, of course, we know it's not really that easy. And Jesus knew this when he said this. It's not easy to stop worrying. And sometimes we honestly, it's beyond our control. Sometimes it's a chemical thing in our brain where we, we need help. And even at times we know we can't just let it go. But here we have a reminder from Jesus that we need to remember that it's not helping us. This won't get rid of our worrying, but just that reminder, what, what is worrying helping us? By forcing us to look forward and see how the worrying is actually keeping us from moving forward can sometimes help us break out of that pattern to, to grasp onto a new way of, to move forward. That's what Jesus wants to remind us when we get caught up in the worrying like we can be right now. He's saying, yes, I know there's lots to be worried about. I know you're scared, but when you let the worry take over your thoughts, 
then you're caught, you're trapped. And it's so easy now, once again, when we can't see the future to try and pull ourselves out of it. So instead, we need to turn to Jesus to help him ease our worry, even just a little bit. The second part of the passage furthers the warning against worry. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. On a first read of this passage, it's easy to see why it's sometimes interpreted as a guarantee that Christians will never be hungry, thirsty, or without clothes. It seems like Jesus is clearly saying this. But this is one of those times where we know that the ob- what the obvious interpretation is cannot be right. Because we can see from real world examples but there are lots of times when this is not demonstrated in the way that God interacts with our world. We know there are people who starve. And some of those people are Christians. There are Christians who died in many ways and not received the basic necessities of life. It's a sad truth. And if Jesus was promising that all his all his people would have food, water and clothing and that leaves us wondering why didn't those Christians have them there are several other examples in the Bible where Jesus seems to make promises like this it's the context of these verses that help us to understand God's promises and to find the true comfort in his love and care of the world. In Philippians, Paul writes, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul, the prolific writer of many New Testament letters and bold proclaimer of the gospel, faced hunger. Remember when he said he knew what it was to be in need? Yet a short few verses later, Paul writes 
And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. It seems like he's contradicting himself. Again, we know Paul is not offering that God will give us abundance. That's prosperity gospel. God's promise to meet our needs does not mean that the grocery store shelves will be full and that we'll continue to have access to new stylish and fitting clothing. In another example, Paul writes to the Roman church in chapter 8. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And then a few short verses later. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Note that this verse again speaks to that larger context in which we're never separated from the love of Christ despite any hardship and even death that may befall us. The truth of this passage is that Jesus is talking in a spiritual sense. She's talking in a big picture sense. A relational sense in which he walks closely beside us and is the great comforter. Jesus was talking of the big picture, the whole context of our lives. While we receive so many blessings from God in our lives, it is true that these are not a guarantee. So what do we do? How do we, what do we make then of the understanding of the passage today, suggesting that all these things will be given to us, clothes, food, drink, God does bless us with all of these things, and we know that he wants them to continue. His promise is that while we are fulfilling his mission on earth, whatever his calling and purpose is, he will give us every last thing we need to complete this. We do not know what God's plan is for us, both individually and as a community. However, God's most important promises are more relevant than ever. Let's go back to Romans and see how the chapter ends. Verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the promise God is making. That he will always be with us. He will be there to laugh with us. And he's there crying with us. But he promises that no matter what happens. That he will make sure the kingdom work that he calls us to will be completed. 
And while to people who don't believe in God, this might sound like a bad deal. To those of us who know the truth of the gospel, the truth of who owns this creation, who know the love of God personally, this is good news. Because we know that serving God gives us purpose in life. And therefore, what we hear is that God promises us that no matter what happens, our life, each of our lives, has a great purpose. And that when it comes time to meet our Savior, He will greet us with open arms, saying, You have done well, my child. Amen. Let's pray. Let us pray to God, who alone makes us dwell in safety. For all who are affected by the coronavirus, through illness or isolation or anxiety, that they may find relief and recovery. Or hear us for those who are guiding our nation at this time, shaping national policies, that they make wise decisions. Lord, we pray for doctors, nurses, and medical researchers, that through their skill and insights, many will be restored to health and a vaccine can be found. Lord, we pray for the vulnerable, the fearful, for the gravely ill and the dying, that they may know your comfort and peace. Lord, we put ourselves in your hand. We know this world is not something we can, can control, but it's the world's in your hands. And we know we are safe in your hands. We give ourselves to the mercy and protection of you, merciful Father. Lord, accept these prayers. And Lord, all the prayers of everyone listening, as they lift, as they lift those prayers to you now. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I leave you today with the blessing from the Psalms. I am sure I shall see the goodness of our God in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Know that you do not wait alone. God has given us one another for this journey of faith, to help one another. Know that you do not wait alone. Christ is with us. Be encouraged and encourage one another. In Jesus' name, amen.